Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Motor City Metrics podcast here at Motor City Metrics Baseball on YouTube. And you can find us at TigersMLReport.com. I'm Rogelio Castillo. Alongside me is Uber. I think Chris will be along. I'm not really sure. John is John has a night off. And you can find us on part of the mean beam under the weather. So first and foremost, if you're watching us on YouTube and realize that I have a hoodie on that is saying something when it's like 93 degrees outside, I'm freezing. Yeah, I'm freezing. The AC is on here, but normally AC doesn't bother me. I can be fine. But uh, there'll be a lot of times where, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll be muting myself to cough because coughing on the mic is rude. Yeah, but plenty to get to this evening. But uh, you can find us again on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or listen to your podcast. And again, please check out our friends over at Bleachers to Speakers as they're going to be starting recording every Monday night, starting at 630. I believe as starting as as believe I believe as soon as next week. But yeah, we got plenty to get to this evening. There's a we have the Tigers taking on the Houston Astros this weekend. Friday will be Matt Manning against. Yes, there's plenty. Also, some rest in pieces to get to too. What a former a, or are you familiar with wrestling at all, Uper? Off from way back, not so much the last couple decades <laughs> uh, you know what people are yeah i'm wondering where chris is too i'm texting him now so a wrestler by the name and i'm familiar with and john wanted me to do this and i'm doing it for him and also ray ray wyatt passed away that was a wrestler who passed away this today and <laughs> all right yeah it, it sucks and it's just getting to the point where it's just yeah i was familiar with him a little bit um hmm. in the last few years i don't watch wrestling like i used to yeah in time to time so matt manning against uh valdez on friday rodriguez taking on detroit product hunter brown on saturday and justin verlander and versus alex fideo on sunday oh terry funk died really oh i missed that Oh man, Terry Funk. No, that's the one I know. The Funk Brothers. Oh man, Terry Funk is a hardcore legend. That was, I watched a documentary. I think it was. I forgot what documentary it was on, but that was a hardcore. Run. You're talking tougher than nails. Terry Funk. Man, some of the matches he was in, he was huge in Japan. Man, that sucks. Yeah. I did not know Terry Funk died. Thank you, with Deadly Ninja Beats, and thank you, Jeff. I think Jeff Johnson actually said that first. There, that was when he said. It took me a second to realize what was going on, but like I said, beyond the mat, thank you. Yeah, that was where I first was encountered with Terry Funk. But yeah, that's yeah. And I just finished a season of uh, Beyond or Dark Side of the Ring too, which was the Marty Jannetty last episode. Uh-huh. That was you. You talk about a guy the who high did flyers, right? Drugs. Pardon me. They were the high flyers, right? Yeah, he was part of the Rockers. Yeah, with uh, what's his face, Shawn Michaels, and uh, they had a really good rapport. But they did. He was talking about every drug underneath the sun, and apparently he he had, he admitted to a murder that he didn't do, and it was, it was crazy, some crazy stuff here. And uh, but yeah, so Chris is coming on right now. He's having some computer issues, so just a heads up. But a plenty of news to get to. In addition to the Tigers, we'll get to them in a second. But uh, big news this week, two things. One, Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams have been fired by the White Sox, and there's rumors of them going to Nashville. 
In the report in Crane's Chicago business, Greg Hines reports that the White Sox are considering a move to Nashville that because the White Sox leases a guaranteed real guaranteed rate field expires in six years, Jerry Reinsdorf is considering selling his ownership of the baseball team to focus on his controlling interests in the Bulls. Thank you, Chris. You were going to eat the hard work for me. There he is. Yeah. But just a heads up, there'll be a lot of times where I'm going to literally go like this and yeah. I'm going to, yeah. I'm just... You're hitting the cough button. I like it. Yeah, hit the cough button. Oh, it's a bummer. Sorry. Yeah. Got the, the nice flying tiger hat on there, right? Thank you. Yes, the Tiger Town. Yes, this is, this is my favorite one. I don't think they even make this one anymore. I don't think. I haven't seen it in a while. But I'm uh, you, smiling for some reason. What'd you say? Jerry Reinsdorf to say he's going to go focus on the Bulls is pretty funny. The dude's 87. How much focus does he have left? <laughs> and wow. considering that the white the Bulls have brought him pretty much all his fortune, essentially, minus one World Series. Yeah, I... I don't know. I guess stadiums just aren't built anymore. They're they're built for what 30, 40 years now. Like this makes me think we're about five years away from starting to hear about the replacement for Comerica Park. I'm like, oh. oh no question. And it's come on, man, what but I don't know. When you can force the city to give you a bunch of money and get those luxury boxes in there, you gotta do it. Oh, I think they'll do it. You know the thing about it is guaranteed rate field there, old new com- old new new comiskey. Yeah. Have you guys ever been there? Uh, yeah, it sucks. It, it sucks. It's terrible. Yeah, I heard the food was good though, right? I heard the food was good there though, right? Oh, the food's fantastic. Oh, the food's fantastic. Oh, yeah. the, the, the it's Chicago. Plus, your running around. Yeah, we're gonna say, uh, I'm sorry. It's very steep. Like, if you're up on the upper deck, it was just like, wow, you're gonna tumble out of there and die. But basically, I think that that stadium was the. Uh, it, it went up just before. They started to care about aesthetics, right? Where the stadium would be really part of the experience. Camden Yards and what was Pac Bell you know, out in San Francisco and so on. That kind of, they were like a destination. The new Comiskey was never built. It was just basically a cookie cutter. Let's slap this thing up and let's go. <laughs> and that's what they got. Yeah. So it's no shock that they're looking to get out of there. Yeah. They added the old scoreboard. Uh, swirly scoreboard, and then the because the old Comiskey had the green seats, and uh, yeah, they I I think, and Michael's correct about that too. They missed the opportunity to take advantage of the aesthetic of old school, comparatively speaking, the Camden Yards. And there's been talk too with Camden Yards, he's coming up. Baltimore wants a new stadium too, but yeah. this is the same jackass yeah. in in John Andros who saying these players are going to cost money. No, yeah. No yeah. crap, Sherlock. We, I mean, we, can't, come on. we can't sign them unless we raise ticket prices drastically. It's like, get out of here. Like, why do billionaires just think people are dumb? It, it's, yeah. I guess it's, it's usually the kids of billionaires, right? The actual billionaires maybe have a little bit of common sense. The kids just think everybody's dumb. And, and Because there's not trying to stereotype all millionaires' sons, but yeah. he wants a revenue stream like Atlanta. Thank you, Michael. But still, nevertheless, he wants a revenue stream. That's That's great and all, but. It, it just seems like they, they've been out of touch with reality because they haven't been around people really? that like common like folk. I, I guess I want to say like us, uh, middle class folk, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, they say he was, people, yeah. And, he was born on third base and he thinks he hit a triple. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I guess it's it's. I don't know. I, there probably aren't a lot of people who actually will stand up and tell billionaires, "No, you're being dumb and wrong," because uh, they can just ruin your life if they want to. 
which is a bummer, but I wouldn't, I don't care. If the White Sox want to move to Nashville or whatever, I'm fine with it. They'll get another baseball team in Chicago. I just want expansion. We need some expansion teams now. It's been yeah. way too long. I want some more baseball teams in cool cities. Uh, Nashville would be one. I, I'm surprised they just wouldn't invade Charlotte and take over the AAA stadium. But uh, yeah, anyway. I, I would think Charlotte would be the next destination. Be yeah. No, it makes sense to me. I, I, I don't. The one thing about this whole thing. And then, uh... well, go ahead, Uber. I'm sorry. I think the, there's a delay. The Royals but, actually put out some new drawings today for a new stadium with the Royals. Uh, they're, they're trying to get yeah. a whole business district in either downtown Kansas City or, or, or North Kansas City. So even so, they're, they're rumbling is all over MLB right now. Yeah, they're, they're trying to get in that whole cash game. And correct me if I'm wrong, Uper, but the, the Kansas City, the Royal Stadium is in the middle of nowhere, isn't it? Coffin Stadium, apparently. The only, Kansas City is a fantastic baseball road trip, with the only thing being you, the, the fun nighttime aspect of being there is nowhere near the stadium. The stadium's in the middle of a concrete desert, sharing a parking lot with Arrowhead Stadium. And yeah, so that's not convenient. Because if you could be in the downtown area, it's a very lively, fun downtown. And it would make, it make, make a lot of sense to put that stadium there if they do build one. Yeah. And Michael Emer in YouTube had a, I like his comment. He said, in the future, only rich people will be the ones to afford to go to games. And at some point, as, as dire straits as that sounds, sometimes it feels like it's a case where make money all year long. Yeah. It's the new hotness. And it's. Yeah. It, I, that's what uh, is good about minor league baseball sometimes, right? So you can head up to, to Lansing or Toledo or Grand Rapids or Midland and you can catch a, a decent quality baseball game with a lot more on-field entertainment for about $20. Yeah, but going to Akron, Akron was, I was surprised, I was pleasantly surprised with Akron. And it is one of those things where I came away with having a better, a better experience with some of the food too. I didn't really get, too like too into the food scene down there, but apparently they have a dog. They have a ham. They have a hot dog. Apparently, it's like a chili dog with Fruit Loops on it. Okay, yeah. That, I, I know. That, those are like those Instagram videos where people are making nonsense food just for clicks. We don't yeah. need Fruit Loops on our hot dogs. Come on. I do like I. I think I've been seeing him on Twitter, and he's also on TikTok where he. he, he there's people that are cooking food, right? And then sometimes like they will. He judges. He'll say if he'll eat it. Plantation, yeah. This woman was yeah. mixing pasta. All of a sudden, the dog starts licking her his her hands, oh. and she puts it back in. And like, oh. well, I was trying to think. Was Akron the the, the place that had the sauerkraut balls? It's, it's, yes. Yeah. What is that all about? Sauerkraut ball. Apparently, that's a Akron in the early days was a very heavy Polish German community, and so that was a specialty. Inaccurate, apparently. But like Michael, you got to put it on something. Yeah, yeah. He puts out corn, corned beef, or whatever you can put it on anything. Michael makes a good point here. If other cities get this, it puts the ones with, without a disadvantage, especially if you're a small market, not shared revenue. No, it's it's a great point. And yeah, eventually I could see I, I could see this happening in Detroit. Give it a right, Chris. This is just around the corner at some point. You you can I see mean, this happening. You you feel. I feel fairly comfortable with, with how enmeshed the entire Illich family is, you know, how, how much of Detroit they own that, that they wouldn't threaten to move out of Detroit. 
uh, but maybe, maybe they move to Southfield or something like, like something silly like that, moving to the suburbs or I don't know, maybe, maybe they will stick with Comerica for a long time, but it just feels like it's coming, right? Like they're going to start. We've heard things about how the, the stadium has been kept up terribly well to the concrete and rusty chairs and things like that. So maybe, I don't know. They, they just have done a bunch of updates. So see, but I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm picturing it coming four or five years from now. Yeah. And we've heard too about how West Michigan is trying to build themselves up as a triple A town and so South yeah. Bend. So it's it, the landscape is changing. Grand, in a few years, Grand Rapids will be the largest city in, in population wise in terms of pure population size bigger than Detroit. Metro Detroit's huge, but yeah, the, the, the market size of Detroit is still pretty big, but it's amazing how, how, how small Detroit proper is in terms of population now. Yeah. It, it used to be what, like seventh, eighth when I was younger back in the day, of course it was like the third or fourth biggest city in the, the country, but now it's, it was like top 10 for most of my youth. And now it's 36th. They have like fewer people than Louisville, but uh, I don't know. Those yeah. workers. Yup, I think you're muted. Yeah, Yup, your mic's muted. I couldn't hear you. Still, still muted. See here. All right. Well, he gets that sorted out. We did get somebody who posted Max Clark's first hit, so I'm gonna put that on Lakeland. So I did find that. Oh, nice. Somebody had it. Yeah, somebody has it. You bird, oh. are you now available? How's that? There you First, go. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, Kevin, Kevin McGonigal got a couple hits and, and, uh, and Max Clark had an RBI hit in like the seventh inning. So that was nice. So get those guys to get their feet wet in full season ball here at the end of the season. Kind of fun. Do you guys, do you guys see uh tra- Obviously, I think the Angels doing what they've been doing. There's a trend. These guys are coming a little bit faster, aren't they? There, there are just I think, seems like there's promotions across the minor leagues that are just a, a hair. What's your name? Yeah. So we saw last year, the White Sox did that thing. Uh, you call it Project Birmingham or whatever. I don't remember exactly what it was, but they sent all their top prospects to double A. And it mm-hmm. seems like that's what the Padres are doing this year. They sent Ethan Salas, who, who turned 17 yeah. this year as a catcher. Yep. They sent him to double A. They sent Robbie Snelling to double A. They sent all the guys from Fort Wayne, Jacob Marcy and all these other guys. So. It does feel like their teams are challenging these guys. Some teams are, or challenging these guys quicker than, than others. And the, the, the old saying was always the, the good ones come quickly. They force their way into the upper levels and, and Jackson holidays already in double A after, you know, one year after getting drafted. So it's, it's, I do think the teams are a little bit more aggressive now. And part of that may be just the, the, the realignment in the minor leagues where there just aren't as many roster spots, but that's a good point. But then everybody's talking about Nolan Shanuel getting super, oh, the Angels are crazy. I think he started his career with a five or six game hit streak, right? In the big leagues. It's like, all right, if these guys can hit. And that's actually an interesting, I, I heard the guys on the Baseball America talking about, is this, what the Angels have done the last couple of years is take these guys who were crazy performers in, in smaller conferences. It was Neto at Campbell and Shanuel at Florida Atlantic. And they just shot them through the minors super quickly. And they, they both, so far, <laughs> holding their own in the big leagues. So people might, we might see more of that now. It's mm-hmm. possible. They've already sent Dylan Cruz to double A and they had Paul Skeens to double A. I don't yeah. even know why Paul Skeens is pitching at all, but they sent the double A. So it's happening quickly. 
and Raj's having a coffee, but I think, yeah, oh. he's going to tell us to go, go, go. So I don't what? know if you guys even, we even talked about the Tigers yet. No, we just do a general it. baseball chat. Yeah. So I, I, I missed uh, Thursday show. So it's been a while since I've been I'm in Monday show. Yeah. I think so. No, it's uh, you're about no, a memory. Tigers, Tigers. I'm trying to, yeah, I don't even remember what happened in the weekend. They, they, they only won one, a three against the, the lowly Cubs. The Cubs actually have a pretty like a top ten offense, and that was basically yeah. what happened. That was that was all those games were shootouts, and the uh, Tigers bullpen just looked a little, little spent at times. They're, 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 yeah, they they they've done a lot of work, and there are a lot of good arms out there. But seemingly everybody has had one or two rough outings. Jason, Jason Foley hasn't been nearly as sharp as he was. Brisky had a, a rough outing or two. The only guy who doesn't ever seem to have failed is Tyler Holton. Yeah. Which is, is wild, but uh, yeah. I don't know. It, it, they're playing a lot of fun baseball now, right? even though they lost that series. No question about it. The Cubs series was entertaining as hell. Every game, I mean, you know, was down to the wire, uh, rallies by both teams. It was a good time. And I saw some people disparage the Cubs a little bit. That's a pretty good baseball team. Nothing wrong with, if you're a Cubs fan, you, you got some things to look forward to there. Um, and like you said, top 10 offense. Got a couple guys in that bullpen come throwing 97 to 100. Not bad. And a good chance that they can make the playoffs. And if they get in the playoffs, they might just have enough offense to to win a series. Yeah, the Marlins are only a game behind them right now in, the, in terms of the playoff picture. The Diamondbacks, Giants, they're all in that cluster right now with the Cubs and the Marlins just right there. So, yeah, the, the Cubs are a good team. And they have Cody Bellinger. They have some pretty good offensive pieces. Jamie Candelario. There was a debate whether or not the Tigers should have re-signed him or not. And again, based on, he was a guy that seemed like he needed it. Like as much as I would sit there and, and try to go and play money, like I told you so, and I'm not going to do that because it's not pointless. At the same time, I agreed why he should have been going, going elsewhere. He needed a change of scenery. It was really apparent to me that he needed a, a different type of um, environment for him. And it's worked out. He's gone back to, now he's back with the Cubs. And it's worked out for him, the place he got all started. And the wild card right now looks like this. With the NL, Philly, Cubs, and Cincinnati. And then right there is Arizona, San Francisco, Miami, and San Diego, who is under 500. And they're, but again, what's, what's mind-boggling is the Reds, minus 17-1 differential, and the Marlins, minus 45. And the mm-hmm. Diamondbacks are minus 8. But still, Arizona, with all that bad month, are still in playoff contention. They had a really bad July, and they're they're hanging around. So, yeah, it's it's I don't know, like like you mentioned. So it's funny you watch the Cubs. I I do think the pitching's a little bit light overall. But you know, Jamison Tyon was was you know murdering the Tigers for a while, but then got to turn back into a pumpkin there in the sixth inning. It was uh, yeah. Then they have was Mark Leiter Jr. was closing that one game. What is this? But they did have that. They had Al Zelay come in and close. I think the final game of the series. And uh, they did have that other guy whose name is escaping me now, but he, Merriweather. So well, Merriweather looked really good, but there was another guy, like you said, who was throwing 97, 98, 99. I'm trying to, it's, his name is escaping me. But yeah, there's some, there's some talent there. But, and then of course it was the, the real bummer was that first game with the umpire making three kind of really poorly timed bad calls that, yes. that people were, we go to the umpire scorecards, one of the 10 most lopsided run changing according to them it was the ninth worst game of the, of the season based on in, ter- in terms of swinging the yeah. runs to yeah. one team yeah I, I looked over that pretty hard you know it, it was interesting 
he didn't call a bad game in total in terms of accuracy. He was fine. But yes, at the end of the With game, the it seemed like he, he expanded his zone late, which is a terrible thing to do to teams, to batters especially. And, and all three of those calls came in really high leverage spots and all of them went against the Tigers. It was really, I don't think he was out yeah. to screw the Tigers. I don't think he had money no, on I, the Cubs, but it just, <laughs> it just went about as poorly for Detroit as it could there. And they were bad yeah, calls. Think, now, I'm not defending the guy. I think there was, there was a strike that Brisky threw that was called the ball that would have been a, a strikeout, I think, and ended up, yep. and then there was, there was the strike three call to Parker Meadows that was three, four inches outside of the zone. And then there was the strike two call, I think, to Riley Green that was a ball below the zone. And yeah, that would have been a leadoff walk in the ninth and it ended up being now. Yeah, it's, it's tough. We, you certainly, you know, know how hard it is to, um, and, and I think you tend to look at these things a little bit more objectively. And a lot of fans just think all ups are terrible, but uh, sometimes <laughs> they have really bad, really bad stretch. And that was a bummer. Yeah. yeah it, he had a bad, he had, it's like he had a bad 20 minutes and uh, yeah. all went against the Tigers. Yeah. It, the way you, by the <laughs> way, Sean. Um, yeah, but, Sean is very adamant about that, by the way. Thank you for the $5, Sean. It was, yeah. So off the Frickers building. In the Discord, I just said it would, they were, Assad, I think, was the guy pitching the Mexican game one. And I just said it was in a sad state of affairs, whatever. It was just a, a stupid pun. I can't get it out of his head, apparently. Sorry. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah. Not catching up with that in there. But no, if Youper's saying that's bad calls, that's saying something. Youper will always, 99.9% .9 of the time, stick up for umpires. And if Youper is saying that one time, that one that tiny percentile yeah. <laughs> that it's bad, then I, I'm going to go, you know what? Okay, if Youper's saying it, then we'll... Well, here's the thing. Yeah. What, what did, what, before there was a strike box on the screen, right? What did we hope mm -hmm. for? Everybody talked about, hey, be consistent so that batters and hitters can adjust to the strike zone. As long right. as they're consistent, they'll adjust. And what we saw in that game was he, he had one zone for seven innings, and all of a sudden in the eighth, his zone changed. And that's, it can happen. I can see why it happens. You, different pitchers come in. You, maybe you've never seen them deliver a pitch. Throws you off a little bit, whatever, but it, it, re it just all happened to go against Detroit there pretty bad. Yeah, and, and it really, I don't know. But you're right, though. Overall, all three games were very entertaining, and this is a team that you want to stick around and watch. I think it was Karsh, or one of those two. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I'm doing the 97-1 thing where they don't mention where their sources are from, but we do because... Oh. They'll say we've heard somewhere and they'll never mention a source. Oh. Well, they'll conveniently forget the name or whatever. But one time I did listen to 971, Karsh was saying that he's actually tuning in all the games, as you should, because you yeah. talk about well, sports all the time. I mean, but you do come on a daily show, 10 to 2, and she talks sports all the time. But what do I know? There's no, there's no doubt about it, though. Like the Tigers still aren't a very good team, but when they're scoring runs, mm -hmm. baseball's a lot more fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> it just is. Yes. That's the early 90s Tigers, right? Where they were. Just, just scoring like dozens of runs a couple times a week, and it just, the pitching wasn't there for them. And the Tigers aren't consistent enough to to win enough right now. They, but yeah, they've they home runs left and right from Torkelson and Kerry Carpenter, and Ford Torque is looking like the Torque that was promised. And Carpenter is like, oh man, like each each time he hits a home run, we're like, is this 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 feels real? This keeps getting realer. Now we did Raj Raj did do some research, and we looked up the the most home runs. 115 career games for guys drafted the 19th round or later. And Mike Piazza, okay, he's a Hall of Famer. Some other big names in there. Yeah, let me pull up that. So it was a, pull Richie Sexton, Jason Bay, guys like this. 
but but Dave Carpenter's up there tied with Matt Moat, who I know Tigers fans remember. But then you see that the, the top guy is, is Kevin Moss, who is the one I remember. He was one of the first huge, crazy breakout stars. It was like, oh man, this guy's the, a legend. And then it just completely disappeared. So there it is, yeah. Yeah, so Kerry Carpenter is right up there with Matt Noakes. Kevin Moss, he was with Houston, right? Is that the, the Yankees. Same? Yankees. Okay, Yankees. that's what it was. Okay, yeah, that's right. I think I think he was a first baseman, maybe corner outfielder. Like, Mattingly was hurt, and Kevin Moss came up and just went bonkers. And as you can see there, it ended, like, super abruptly. He didn't do much after that. 29 home runs in 115 games, and then 65 total, which is a bummer. Yeah, by the way, it's... I was thinking of Kevin Bass. That's what I was thinking of. The former Houston outfielder. Yeah, it's Kevin Bass. So, yeah. We, uh... Boss. You're back in the day. My boss. Base. It, wow. That's the thing. Do you remember? Did you ever get back at baseball card monthly? The, I the, did for I did for a little while and when I was younger, yes. Uh, my brother and I used to do the vandalization of, of the cards where you would take you'd take things and replace their head with Kevin Bass, like a bit, or my brother would put a speaker on his head, stuff like that. That was but I remember him distinctly because of that. We used to baseball card vandalize. Yeah, there's a there, yeah, there. As much as we we thought our cards were sacred, so we never would do anything like that. But speaking of Kerry Carpenter, by the way, the question, Nick. Sorry, Nick asked me a question. I'm going to do something to Wilbur. He asked me, "I had a business." You want to? Yeah, go ahead and yeah. Do, I, I heard that during the audio. I did a tweet about Spencer Torkelson has fifty. Yeah, now it's fifty-one barrels this year, which is like the third most, I think, by a Tigers hitter, or maybe the fourth most by a Tigers hitter since 2015 when when they started counting those. He's asking how many of those barrels were actually hits. So I'm off to the nerd cave to figure it out. Okay. So I'll go into my inside number this week. And uh, props to, so I, I did get a source for this inside. I always get sources, but but it was props to Evan from sportsbookscout.com, who was able to provide the data for me on this one. And that is the, the right now, the war, one 15-game rolling war for Kerry Carpenter which is right around 1.5. So he started at, in terms of the, during off his career, he's almost at a two. This is F war. I should explain that better. And so Kerry Carpenter's war, as far as here's a two war, he is an average. He's now at a two war, even a baseball reference. So Kerry Carpenter, over his last 15 games, has really helped us war quite a bit. Yeah. And so you can look at the, the call of Parker Meadows as an indication of keeping Kerry Carpenter as more of a DH role. Excuse me. Care, keeping him where you can put Riley Green in right field, Parker Meadows in center, who made a really good play the other day where he just showed his impressive speed. And even that, I think it was a double, he turned into a triple or whatever. Yeah. Extra base hit. Yeah, he's... That's the kind of uh, presence that Meadows is going to be out, out there. But Kerry Carpenter, two-war player, and he's done that in 285 at-bats this season. And considering he was injured too, Uper, it's, yep. it's becoming more, it's not just a facade. It's, this is not a Brendan ba- Bosch. Brendan Bosch, sure. That's, yeah. well, we've had a lot of them like that. The other day, I compared it. Too, and I, I'm I'm feeling him more and more, and this is has nothing to do statistically. They bat different. Carries a, a lefty. JD Martinez was a righty, but just the sense. Forget the numbers. 
I remember when JD came on the scene and he just kept producing and he kept wondering, okay, he was a whole hum guy in, in Houston, right? But he kept hitting and he just kept hitting and he came back the next year and he hit some more. And then we found out he went to see somebody and he changed his approach and he, he made significant changes. And now we see Carpenter came up last year, produced this year, has produced. And now he's starting to really produce. He's become a force. And now we see the article where he went to somebody and made some changes and, his, and, and didn't accept who he was and looked to become better. So I, I, I'm just getting the same vibes from him. I hope it stays that way. Obviously, we all do. But I think I just, I'm torn if he should be a DH or if they just need to carve out a spot in the outfield and just make him get better. And look, Duper, I, there was a, like I said, there was a throw last week he made, or the week before, where he gunned down somebody a second. Carpenter's improved. It was against Minnesota. He's improved mm-hmm. defensively. I think he's yeah. holding his own right field. He's not going to embarrass you. It's, right. not, it's not like a, it's, it's like the same thing with like kind of Justice Bigby, where they can make comparisons right there. Don't make me laugh too hard. Sorry. sorry. That's all right. But go yeah, ahead. As you were I like that comparison. It's tough because Jody Martinez turned out to be so damn good for so long. But it definitely, I, I remember my pen tweet for a reason, right? I didn't think Jenny Martinez was going to play in the big leagues for very long. Yeah. He kept hitting home runs. He kept hitting home runs. And there's also that flair for the dramatic. That, that like, Kerry Carpenter, again, it reminds me of the early 90s. It's like, oh, man, they're been on base. Kerry Carpenter's up. He's going to do something good. You can't do it every time. But, boy, he's done it a lot. Nobody out. Green and Torkelson don't get the job done. And then Carpenter does. And it's like, you know what? That's why you want as many good young players as possible. It's, you need guys who can pick each other up. Uh, Thank you for the $15 for the cost of present. Off the Frickers building. And exquisite. Yeah, Roger for the Roger Cough Medicine Fund. Oh, I'm just I'm a cough a, right now like it's crazy. I mean, are you a Diamond Tap guy or a Robitussin guy? Ooh, you know what? Uper? Mucinex. Oh. <laughs> I just took some Mucinex earlier. Um, No, I'm, I grew up. Grew up Diamond Tap was... Because we didn't have a lot of money growing up, and for whatever reason, we got the generic version of Dynatap. And that tasted like straight-up Kool-Aid grape drink without the... It tasted like, not Kool-Aid itself, rather, grape drink. Those little hug barrels, those jug barrels you used to get as a kid. And yeah. Just, I got those. And Dynatap tasted like that, but watered down. Somehow, some way, it tasted worse. Mm-hmm. But those barrels were awesome. And the blueberry one was my favorite one. Anyway. Honest to God, my dad... If you had a bad enough cough, he'd toss you the Vicks and tell you to swallow a big gob of it. The, the vapor rub? Yeah. Oh. It's amazing I'm alive. Really? <laughs> it could be, it could, it could describe why maybe some brain damage. I do like a vapor rub, but uh, swallow it down, baby. I'm looking up eating yeah, vapor rub. Look that up. All right. Well, what is your inside number outside oh, of the uh, brain thing cells? What does it say? Brain cells killed by Vicks? Is that your. Uh... Here's the thing. All year long, and you go back to last year, occasionally we, we hear about Corkelson, how hard he's hitting the ball, and something good's going to happen. We never get a lot of numbers put to it. Jay Jaffe, he was at Fangraphs. I don't know if you saw the article. Pretty good article on him. Mm-hmm. Talking about how he's pulling the ball more. I did not realize he only pulled the ball 21 times last year in the air. That was shocking to me. I would never would have guessed that. He's already over 50 this season, so he's probably going to end up near 70. Close, anyway. 
Yeah. He's made a huge change there. But I was struck by the numbers, the barrel rate. Last year, he was in the 56th percentile on barrel rate. He's up to the 91st percentile now. Uh, hard hit rate, he was 61st percentile. Now he's 95th percentile. Exit velo, he went from 78th to 93rd. The numbers bear it out. It's just not a feeling that we all get. Oh, he hit another one, 108, and got an out. It's happening. And it's just so nice to see some of the production follow now where we don't have to hear the chronic bust complainers. So what if you hit it hard? Okay, there's something to it. Yeah, and at the very least, I think even if he goes ice cold again or whatever, we, we get the sense that, okay, there are, this is going to be a player who at times will be able to carry the team. Uh, even yeah. though I think I've seen, I want to say Robert James actually had a really interesting stat that, that Cork is like 0 for 13 with runners in score position. But despite all the home runs, uh, he, he's not getting them uh, with men on. That's maybe he's trying too hard. Maybe it's just bad luck or whatever. But, but yeah, I don't think we have to worry about him being an epic bust anymore. He, he might not ever be the MVP, like all-star even. But uh, he might be Reese Hoskins. He, he might be Reese Hoskins. <laughs> Although, yeah, as as you point out, you you asked uh, how many barrels does Reese Hoskins have, and, uh, and Hoskins has never hit fifty in a so far. And really, I don't think Hoskins has ever hit thirty home runs in a year. He might have once. So it feels like Torque is is getting to that point where like he's he's be a thirty five plus home run guy. Really nice development there. Yeah, I'm hoping yeah, I read that article. That was a good article. No yeah. more, more, nobody else comes out of the woodwork like Sean and and say, remember when Chris said he was a bust. Uh, again, there's so many right. times where people got a tornado them. warning. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. It, it, by the way, I slept awful last night. It was, I, it was some, some of the thunderstorms. It like, my, my entire room lit up. It was, it was, it was, it was insane. And it was just, yeah. I think the reason why I only slept what I could was because I was sick. Other than that, I, I kept, I woke up a couple times like, oh, it's thunder lightning. It's really loud. Okay, cool. And I, I, I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but uh, whenever we have a big storm like that, we end up the next morning, I find crepit in our pool. Wow. And depending on, on how big the storm is, it's, it, it could be one, it could be two, it could be three. Today was a two crepit day, a cray cray storm. Cray cray. And, uh, yeah. So apparently there's another big one today. Yeah. That, that thing just said, hey, get big shelter, tornado. So if, if you, you see me, Sucked away into the nerd cave again. It might be, you know, not a, on purpose, but it was it was bad enough today. Apparently that they canceled softball six hours at a time, and then at, by the time we game time started at six thirty, it was sunny. I mean, it, 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 it that's the thing I didn't understand. It's like why why are we doing the snow winter thing where we're going to cancel things ahead of time before it actually effing happens? <laughs> God, they got to warn people. You can't be out there and they get struck by lightning. And they didn't tell you, and then they used to. Ounce of prevention beats a pound of cure, Raj. Oh, there you go. No, so by the way, just got back from his little brother's high school football game. I know that uh, Brighton and yeah. Celine were playing tonight out here. Uh, I guess you have to yeah. drink twice now that I mentioned two cities. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's part of the Sean drinking game. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because the high school football kicks off officially. Off the slate, and they've got some games starting tomorrow this weekend, or starting on Friday, rather. My brothers are even, my brother who's a school teacher, is already in session this week. So it's already in that time of year. And Max Clark, by the way, we just retweeted on our Tiger Mountain Report account, and I'll, I'll post it in for anybody who's watching us on YouTube right now. 
I'll, uh, and so, Chris, do you have your inside number for the week? I do. And I have the bonus one because the, the question question was, how well is Torkelson hitting on those barrels? I have, he's got two singles, 14 doubles, 21 home runs, and 14 outs. That's a 725 batting average and a 2,235 slug on, on the barrels. Pretty good. But I do think that's actually a low average in terms of batting average on barrels. I think the average is like 800. But uh, my, so right along the lines of what we've been talking about, my inside number is 32. 32 is the number of home runs the Tigers have hit in August in 21 games. So it's, it's a little bit more than one and a half per game. They've got seven games left. If they stay on this pace, they will end up with 42, 43 home runs. Uh, and I was looking it up and they have not hit 40 home runs in a single month since 2008. September of 2008 was the last time the Tigers as a team hit 40 home runs. Uh, and you have to go back to 2000, June of 2000, in Comerica National Park to find them hitting more than 42, 43. They had 44 was that month. Yeah, like I said, this is, this is a lot of fun because we haven't seen this in 15 years. Yeah, enjoy it, and hopefully they keep it in those dingers. Yeah, I remember this is a team last year that we were looking at. It, it was historically bad in terms of offense. Historically bad. Could not oh. hit a home run at all. Meanwhile, Cleveland, who signed Eric Haas, and immediately put him, I think he immediately started in the starting lineup too, I believe, as well. And batted fifth. Yeah. They are among one of the league lead or league worst in home runs as a team. This is a team that went out and signed Bell. I thought again, I thought it would work out and it did not. But yeah, it's it is astonishing to see the Tigers in terms of even get this kind of offense. ELB, new person, thank you for the nine ninety nine. Yeah. Off the Prickers building. Exquisite. Much appreciated for that. Andy Abanez with those two homers the other night. That was pretty, I was out of left yeah. field for everybody. Yeah, I, li- I like your comment, Youper. He's sensing the the uh, DFA season. He's like, nah, not today, Satan. And that, that was, that was, you know, it's funny because it was like a classic, like, AJ Hinch, what are you doing? He batted him second in that game, right? And then he goes and yeah. two dogs off. <laughs> Smiley. Good for you. Yeah. I think Carpenter has nine home runs this month. Torkelson has eight. And then Badu has three. Green has three. Rogers has three. They're getting up. It's the two big guys, but they're getting them from, from everywhere. Even Eric Haas had one. Boston. So. But yeah, I don't know. It's they got Houston up next. Houston is, is still a damn good team. They're not nearly as good as they were last year. It doesn't seem their pitching has been falling apart a little bit. They got beat 17 to one today, I believe. Yeah. 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 I think Framber Valdez hit that no hitter, but I think other than that, he's actually been pretty hittable lately. So I think the Tigers might be able to steal that game tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think there's a good possibility too. And you know, Verlander's coming to the start on Sunday, and of course there's going to be the big crowd for, on hand for that. But yeah, I think I think even Saturday against Brown, they have a good against your your cousin from another mother, Chris. And he's been struggling too. Though yeah, yeah it's it's yeah, they're a beatable team. I mean, so are the Cubs and and. The Tigers are now below average, and so you can't afford to make many mistakes, and you can't uh, not capitalize when you have opportunities. They're still doing that a bit too much, but they should hopefully be entertaining games again. Yeah, and they're and they're crushing mistakes. That's something that this team wasn't doing last year. All right, let's go into the good, the bad, the ugly. All right, Youper, uh, what is your good, the bad, the ugly this week? Okay, my good. On a personal note, tomorrow night, the big night, Savannah Bananas are in Des Moines. And uh, the family, we're all going. It should be a good time. It's been about 100 degrees here the last three days. 
Luckily, tomorrow it's going to go all the way down to 90. But <laughs> I think it's still that's, that's going to be just cool enough where it'll be tolerable. I'm excited. I'm sure there's a lot of goofiness. There'll probably be a few things where you roll your eyes at. But there should be a few good laughs, too. But the cool thing is that's, that's why this is fun. My wife and daughter are excited to see it. They've seen a lot of the videos over the years or the last couple of years. I'm excited to go see the bananas. And they also, my wife loves it because they end the game at two hours. They hit two hours, they're done. So mm -hmm. that, that it's, it's nice and compact and it should be a good time. I look forward to reporting on that. My son's got all packed up to go. We, we have the, uh, the, the wheelchair area reserved, so we should be good. My bad, of course, hey, let's face it. It's a, it's a lousy day for baseball to hear Shohei Otani goes down. The guys had some, obviously, the success has been amazing. Nobody, everybody in the world has had the wonderful things to say about him. We don't need to add to that. It's just amazing how bad timing he's had. He, when he came over here, he didn't go through the normal process and stay there the whole time. So he had to sign for a lot less money than he was really worth. So that was unfortunate. Not that anybody's going to be, feel sorry for Shohei Otani, right? I'm sure he's making tons of cash in many different ways. But now he was on the verge of a record-setting contract almost without question now there's a really good what what is what is he worth what is he gonna what are people gonna throw at him again he's gonna make some real money i just don't think it's gonna be as historic and it's gonna be interesting to see exactly how high teams are gonna want to go if this ucla ucl is uh torn i know he's getting a second opinion but it sounds like he's gonna be not pitching for quite a while i don't know yeah, if you guys have frank go ahead oh i'm sorry go ahead no, no, I just wonder if you had heard anything else today about that. No, outside of that, the it was funny. Somebody did a meme where show Eli, Eli De La Cruz poking him and they're saying this is when the injury occurred. Oh, that's where yeah. I thought that I added what? some humor to that. All right, all right. So, my, oh, also, wait. you're ugly. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I got the good, the bad. I'm going with just out of the good, the bad, and the out of left field here. I'm stepping out of baseball. Going to the world of golf, and then to really get obscure, I'm going to the to the world of senior women's golf. If you go back, you have to be probably my age to remember Joanne Carner, Big Mama. Okay, she had the raspy voice, sounded like she knew her way around a couple packs of Pall Malls on the course. If you would have asked me this morning, I would have said it's fifty fifty that she's dead. Okay, I didn't know she was still living. She's a two-time U.S. Open champion, five-time U.S. Women's Amateur champion back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. The woman's 84 years old. They gave her a spot in the U.S. Senior Open today. 84 years old. She shot 80. She broke her age on a U.S. Open course. Nice. Granted, senior women's, but still, I'm sure it's not an easy course. Shot 80 at the age of 84 and at a, at a major championship setup. Hats off to her. That's, that's really... An amazing accomplishment, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, that was, uh, that was, Ninja Bees has the probably the best time one liners of any of our uh, YouTube regulars. No, that, yeah, that uh, was, I remember Nancy Lopez being married to, to Ray Knight. That's about, uh, that, that was, Chris, I, I swear to God, that's the thing, same thing I was thinking. That's the only yeah. LPGA golf person I can remember off the top of my head. <laughs> you and know, what, Carter. And there wasn't go. there a Sweden Swedish woman too? Annika Sorenstam. Well, Annika yeah. Sorenstam was good. Yeah. But and of course, like there's the uh, Babe Dietrichson, Dietrichson, right? Babe. Oh yeah, Dietrichson Zaharias. Yeah. Yeah, she's uh, 
I used to watch ESPN every night for sports because that was where you got your sports and you'd see women's golf highlights occasionally. So I, I knew some of the names, but yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah. Um, definitely, um, definitely Joanne Carney would have been pre ESPN even. Yeah. Just back yeah, when she was 84. Like seven channels. Yeah. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is her definitely exquisite. It's still, it's called. Dottie, yeah. Dottie Pepper. That's right. Dottie Pepper. Dottie Pepper. Her, Michelle Wee, you remember that she came up and she was going to golf on against the men and she did, but she was never any good at anything. No. But she was good. She was fine, but she wasn't like the Tiger Woods that she was promised. By the way, I would never, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at golf. <laughs> That's the strong with the comment. Annika Sorensen, Dottie Pepper could beat you senseless behind a Waffle House. I'm sure they could. Oh, Dottie Pepper. No doubt about it. Oh, doubt, doubt about it. All right, Chris, <laughs> what is your good and bad and ugly? So my good, and I mentioned this to you guys the other day, was Cole Reagan. It, and draft nerds might remember him as, as Texas's first rounder way back in 2016. He was 30th overall. It's the same year that the Tigers drafted Matt Moon. He's a left-handed pitcher out of out of Florida, Tallahassee, like a high school. And uh, you go back and look at the old scouting reports back then, and MLB Pipeline was comparing him to, to Cole Hamill because that's what they do. They compare these guys to multiple-time All-Stars, and it's not fair. But so he got off to a, a decent start in 2018, but then blew his arm out. And then it happened again. He was coming back and it blew out again in 2019. And then 2020, COVID. So he missed three consecutive years. And he came back actually pretty solid in 2021, but it mostly slipped off all prospect radars because you missed three years and, and people just forget about you, basically. And he, he pitched well enough last year to get up to the bigs with the, the Rangers. Had 40 innings and a fastball that sat at 92 miles an hour. 495 ERA, nothing special. He was back in the bigs this year. I think uh, Rangers moved into the bullpen and his ERA was close to six. And then they traded him to Kansas City in the Eraldis Chapman deal. It was mm-hmm. Cole Reagans and, and uh, in the Dominican Summer League. And the Royals had Reagans down pitching in Omaha a little bit. And then they brought him up. And in August, he's just been absolutely bonkers. His fastball is now averaging 97 miles an hour. He hit 101. In his start yesterday, or it was yesterday, two days ago, six innings, two hits, 11 strikeouts. Um, I have it here. His fastball averaged 97.9 with a spin rate of 25.50. So it's got a ton of spin, a ton of below. The lefty, and like, like I said, touch 101 flat. That is the second hardest thrown by a left-handed starting pitcher since 2015. Only James Pack threw one at 101. That's it. Wow. Wow. And, and so yeah, I'm going to look at his numbers real quick. I, I had them written down. Uh, so and I think it might be a little bit wrong, but 29, two thirds innings, two, one, two ERA, eight walks and 44 strikeouts in, in 30 innings And the Royals just kind of like stumbled into him, right? Like I, I, I don't think that the Rangers would have given up on him if he was pitching like this. And suddenly, like I said, he's out there with, with an upper nineties fastball, elite performance. Uh, he's basically looking like the guy I think that they hoped Ace Lacey would, would be. And it's, yeah, it's only been five starts. You always worry when guys have huge velocity fights. Maybe he's, he's due for a third Tommy John. But uh, yeah, the Royals might have might have fallen into a, a front of the rotation starter here. So that's pretty cool for them and him. Not a nice story of perseverance there. They need luck. Um, they need some luck. Probably got some luck on that too. Yeah, like again, like this was a guy. He was just off the prospect radar. He wasn't. He, he struck out six for nine for the Rangers last year, and, and it's twelve for nine now, and he's throwing a hundred. It's nuts. My bad is getting old uh, in general. It's a shame. Every day we're reminded of the grim specter of death. You mentioned 
Otani, but the, the other two annoying injuries, let's destroy Steven Strasburg retired today, yep. or said he was officially going to retire today. And it sounds like he has permanent nerve damage to the point where like he's uncomfortable in daily life. Uh, and that just sucks. He's 35 yeah. and it's, I remember him as a prospect, right? Like he was the biggest pitching prospect ever and he had the best debut ever and he never quite fulfilled lofty, lofty, lofty expectations for him, but he had a damn fine career, was World Series MVP, made a lot of money, but it, it just it sucks that, to know that, because you don't think about that in baseball very often, right? Guys just have like permanent injuries that they can't function in daily life, and, and that sucks. And then the other bad one was Mike Trout. Mike Trout was gone for seven weeks, came back for one game, and got hurt again and went back on the injured list. Oh. And, and look, and Mike Trout, he hasn't played more than 119 games in a season since 2019. He hasn't topped 140 since 2016. There's a chance that Mookie Betts might end up overtaking Trout as the best player of this generation just by staying healthy. Because it just doesn't look like Mike Trout's ever going to be healthy again, unfortunately. He's at that point where Miguel Cabrera, when once he, he was an Iron Man for many, many years, and once the injury started, they never stopped. You know, that's hopefully Trout's not hitting that, but he could be. And we're every, every year now, we get one year closer to. Mike Trout never having a postseason impact on the game that we'll remember, which is a shame for someone who was as multi-talented as he is. And one of the strange things, too, I can't help but notice is, like, center fielders, like, Grady Sizemore, we talked about him last week, and then look at Brian Buxton. Minnesota still has to manage his his, his low, or low management or his playing time, essentially, and that's a guy you want out there as much as possible. Sure. And I, I often think that if Brian Buxton was healthy, that I think he would have been an MVP already. Yeah, it's it's a it's a definitely a fair thing to wonder. No question, he had the ability, all around ability. He, he easily could have been a guy who was putting up thirty thirty years all the time, stolen bases, home runs, but just uh, we were robbed of that by some fragilities. Jacob Ellsbury is another one. That's a good one too. Deadly Ninja Bees is absolutely correct. That's why Riley Green's in right field. And when, when we, yeah. when I got, we're down at Comerica and I got to speak to Scott Harris when the press or he was there and, and that's what he said, kind of Riley Green self-provation society. It really is. And I, it really, really sucks about Strasburg because he, I, I almost liked him too, because the way he gave a tribute to Tony, Tony Gwynn, his coach, at San Diego State, and it's a, it's it is unfortunate. Like him and Kerry Wood are to me remind me of that. Like that shooting started went really rapid, and then just Kerry Wood became somewhat of a decent reliever, but still, just yeah. it's unfortunate. Oh, I just remember I was a big Strasburg fan leading the year leading up to that draft, staying up on Friday night. It was before everything was streamed. You couldn't basically you just saw the the box score get updated on the college website every inning. And see, it was it was only a matter. Did he strike out two or three that inning? He was just putting up video game numbers, and it was so exciting. Then he he rockets through the national farm system and comes up. And what did he strike out? Twelve or fourteen? His first yeah. uh, first game uh, against the Pirates, and it was just so fun to watch. But it just wasn't destined to be. And he's had enough arm problems where to hear this thing about his nerve problems affecting him daily that's it's 
it's not shocking to be honest because he hurt so much. Reminds me of when you hear about uh, Antoine Randall, the former Steelers receiver. I think he's the line. I think he's coach with the Lions, I believe. And he has a hard time getting up every day, and mm-hmm. it says hands are permanently. You see some of those wide receivers like Terry or uh, Terry Holt, former Rams receiver. Where you see their fingers, and they're just like permanently like yeah. this. And yeah, it's and Randall L was actually a pretty good baseball player before he chose football at mm-hmm. Indiana. He says he wish he would have played baseball. So it's it, it it's 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 the nature of the business. So yeah. my good this week and Uber, we've talked about this about how and how every player on the team cannot be an all star. Okay, we are we know that there's guys out there that for everybody on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it, for every time they complain about why is Zach short in the lineup, one of the, one of the reason why it's good. And we've we've been highlighting the Kerry Carpenters and Spencer Brooks and Riley Greens, and rightfully so. Zach Short is known for more of his glove, not his bat. But an interesting stat I came across with runners in, and this is like props to Jerry on this too. With runners in the scoring position, he is batting and batting three twenty seven, four fourteen, five fifty one with an OPS of nine sixty five. That that that's good. That's <laughs> It's probably one of the, perhaps only in terms of one of the few good things you could say about Zach Short. There's Chris. Maybe. Is, is it, I think Chris has been hit by the tornado already. Could be. All right, well, until um, he gets well situated. My bad is Angel Hernandez. And again, I feel like he's under fire for guess what? Bad calls. Shocker. And the his pitching chart this was his pitching chart against the as far against the giants with braves and giants and it was one of those things where again i don't know what angel hernandez I w- i'd like to talk to him just for like five minutes to understand his logic behind anything he does because i just don't it was it was one of those things where i he he, he continues this was on sunday by the way and I'm pulling it up right now because it is how they say it, it was a the it, it was the Hernandez special it, it, <laughs> as pitching ninja. But he's truly a so anybody who's watching us on YouTube right now, I'm pulling it up right now. And yeah, this is so this was Sunday against the Braves and Giants. So that's a solid four inches off the plate. Yeah. Yeah, really? Yeah, I, there's, a, there's a bender coming here that's really bad. Yeah, this yeah, I think this is the Yeah, there was the other one. I'll have to pull that up here in a second. But yeah, that that was that was just that was just terrible. That was just absolutely positively terrible. And yeah, I want to pull up the other one, but yeah. This I think this is the other one. Sorry. So here's Here's the Osuna call right here. This is, yeah. I think this is, is this the one you're referring to? My, it's okay. And my ugly are the New York Yankees because the Yankees are in a free for all. They just won yesterday, nine to one. But they, prior to that, they had lost, was it 10, 10 in a row? I believe it was. It, or no, I'm sorry, nine in a row. Nine in a row, yeah. Nine in a row. And they won yesterday and won against the Washington. So the Nationals came in right at the perfect time. And 
it, it's 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 a joke and to the point where i think even Ster- sterling and his counterpart susie was quoted off mike sands team's boring the watch and they are yeah. i mean offensively speaking you go down to atlanta and you get smoked absolutely just smoked 11 3 5 nothing 2 nothing this is boring baseball imagine being a broadcaster mm-hmm. of the watching the braves who are the best team in all of baseball just kick your ass thoroughly. Yep, just dismantle them. Meanwhile, at the same time, I'm smiling. I'm smiling at you, Bert. Because Yankee fans are getting more. Like, Yankee fans are, you think Tiger fans, people always, look, I love Tiger fans. They listen to our podcast. We appreciate that. I, I think all fans are obnoxious, but Yankee fans take it to the next level. They are expected to go to the World Series every single year. They're supposed to go 162-0. and Every loss is micromanaged to the point of, at least I think so. I yeah. could be wrong about that. So well, it's, it's going to be real interesting to see how how much Teflon does uh, Brian Cashman have? Does he stay? And then what does what what is Boone's Aaron Boone going to do? Are they going to stick with him, or are they going to cut bait and try to put some of the blame on him and and bring in a new guy? So a lot of things will be happening in the Bronx. I think if somehow Brian Cashman survives this then Aaron Boone's going to be the fall guy because he's going to sit there and say, we're the way Cashman's basically is saying, Hey, we're fine. We're fine. And I don't understand that logic. And, and the Yankees are not going to, I don't, at least I don't think it's not going to be the Yankees of old where you always expect them to outspend everybody. It's not the case. It's the same thing. Hal Stanbrenner is not George. And so they got their stadium. They got their new luxury things. And the Yankee fans are not happy about the way it, shaped out to the point where I think you can't even get ice cream in certain areas down there in the Yankee Stadium or something. That right? Yeah, something like that. I'm not really sure, but uh, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they are a long way. When you see what Baltimore has cooking in that pro, and you look at the Rays, are even with this Franco mess, they're not going anywhere. They have the depth to make it work. Toronto, who has enough offensive firepower to stick with the Yankees. Uh, I don't think there's any quick fix coming to for, for New York. And by the way, that the Rays were going to be my god awful, ugly, god awful. Just they've removed the likeness of Franco from everywhere. They're starting to push him off. Yeah, it's. I think it's over for Franco. Quite frankly, yeah, he's going to be he's going to be over in the KBO or something. I, I'm back. By the way, hello, everybody. Hello. Our power went out about eight times. I could he, hear and see you guys from my phone, but for whatever reason, I guess you couldn't hear me. Um. Yeah, I have, has anybody seen any more of the details of what he's accused of? It just like I've heard whispers, but I haven't seen any details whatsoever. And I'm like, geez, what, what's going on? In terms of just oh oh, I, oh sorry, he's a flickering. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you guys haven't heard it. Then yeah, but I yeah, assume no, it'll all come out soon. But no, the the latest was from last was Tuesday, which is. Just that he's been on administrative leave, and that pretty much how long is how long it's going to be on for. That's really about it. There's there's, there's going to be no easy way back from this. There's just no easy way. If any, especially, obviously, his only the 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 best thing in the world could that could be is if this is a a Duke lacrosse thing and it's a hoax, then okay, and he's going to be okay. But boy, if it comes down to anything else, I, I don't see how they put him on the field. Yeah, yeah, and I think to Roger's point, the, the, what Tampa is doing is basically erasing his likeness from the franchise, which means 
we assume Tampa knows a lot more than the public. Does. Yes, exactly. So, um, yeah, they're, they're giving them the Apollo hook off the stage. Got yeah, yeah. Like, and, and it's it's obviously like this. This goes beyond baseball, really. At least the real real human issues, but it is a, a giant bummer for baseball because this was one of your top exciting young players. If he's if he's guilty, screw him, right? Yeah. You can't be doing this sort of stuff. So enjoy your time in a Dominican jail. I don't know. Maybe maybe not. But uh, I did want to recap real quick the because you weren't you weren't on yet, but I wanted to talk about again to for those who missed it. The, the days of Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams sitting comfortably somewhere are gone. They've been terminated. And that kind of also goes along with Jerry Reinsdorf potentially moving the team to Nashville or selling his share of the White Sox. But, Chris, I, I just want the reason why we, this was important for you to have this on or to talk to you about this is because, again, I wanted to have one of our White Sox blog people, but unfortunately they've been really sand with things. But, Let's just laugh at the Chicago White Sox for a moment and have a good laugh no. about it. You know why I want to have a good laugh about this, guys? Because Kenny Williams tried to go up and, and you can only kiss Jerry Reinsdorf's ass for so long, you know? I, I, oddly enough, uh, the, the White Sox were my ugly. My power, I, okay. I appeared right before I got to do my ugly, and it was the White Sox. My, my apologies. No, that's it works out perfectly. Yeah, yeah. That, it's, they, uh, and we've talked about this a bunch over the years, but like, just talk about wasting a bunch of talent. Like, it's going back to the Chris Sale, Jose Quintana era White Sox, where they traded all the guys, those guys get all these products. And they brought them <laughs> them <laughs> and Chicago Sox. Exactly. Yeah, a disaster. And I was looking. So Rick Hahn was hired as their GM after the 2012 season. 11 seasons, basically, he had. The White Sox record in that time was the fourth worst in baseball. For wow. 11 years. An 11-year run of the, they're, they're like six games better than the Tigers who uh, largely been garbage since 2017, right? Like the White Sox had a couple play playoff appearances, but early ousted very quickly. Yeah, and, and it's, I guess you you could say that firing them is the first step out of this, right? But it's, it's still, you have Reinsdorf. There were the, the quick rumors that Tony La Russa was going to be there consulting on who they hire. It's like, geez. But then I think those were quashed. But still, it wouldn't shock anybody if he no. is involved because Reinsdorf. I got some actual audio from Tony LaRusso when he was talking about getting his next, oh. his intel, or his imprint on the next hire. That's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full what? tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Hit it. Hit it. <laughs> I guess there's rumors that Chris Getz, right, might be in yep. line. Yeah. That he's just going to stay in house anyway. So I don't know. I know a lot of White Sox people that I read are not excited about that whatsoever. He's been, he was their scouting director, right? Yeah. Or former player from Michigan, I believe. Yeah. But yeah. That, that would, that would feel like a little bit like, I think somebody joked about like firing Alavila and then hiring Dave Littlefield. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. Who knows? Maybe Chris gets turns things around, but it's not, I don't view the White Sox as some sort of, Outstanding player development, prospect acquiring franchise under under Gats. They've had fine, their drafts have been fine. I don't think there's anything crazy good about them. But yeah, that's again, if you, your fans, you're prone to the whims of billionaires. And unfortunately, White Sox have to deal with their unique one for a little while longer. Yeah. And this is a team that, in terms of like for, from the front office standpoint, really. 
Kenny Williams is going. This is I mean, Kenny Williams has been with the organization now. I think since the I want to say since the late nineties. This is a man, Ron Schuler, who was the, the GM for quite a long time, and then they. I think it was in it was two thousand one. He got promoted in two thousand one. It was his first full season. So this is a guy, this is a team that really doesn't make a lot of wholesale changes as far as personnel goes. Because if if you look at the White Sox for a moment, let's. Here's the thing. So they had until in terms of chaos, it's been it was in terms of a little chaotic in the mid night in the mid eighties when Nebrowski was a GM and then they hired for whatever reason Ken Ken Harrelson, the Hawk, and then mm-hmm. he he was gone after a season and they and they just went through and then after that it was like Larry Himes for a little while, but they've always been the same Jeff just Holberg. Gene Lamont and Jerry Mangle. They're very a team that you can very few personnel changes. Yeah. Yeah. It, they, go ahead, you. I was gonna say I, I just think back to it seemed like the first time they really sold off parts, they did it just at the right time. They moved Chris Sale and Adam LaRoche and a few others while they had time. Years left on the contracts. They got what looked like good returns back it seemed like that was if you were going to put a blueprint on a teardown and rebuild they had it going they they did it at the right they pulled the trigger at the right time when the players had value and somehow the pieces just never fit whether that's poor poor front office work or if it's just bad luck that players didn't develop into what they thought it's hard to hard to say and they were actually one of the first teams that I can recall that, that would sign players out of their arbitration yards. Like they ended up with a lot of really team-friendly contracts right. for what the Braves have mastered. And that worked out well for them, right? That was part of the reason that Quintana and Sale had such good trade value is they were really underpaid for their how, how well they were performing. But even with them, they got the good returns and still couldn't do anything with it. They it was just a terribly built team. The, you've got the... They've had star power. You had Jose Abreu, you had Tim Anderson, you had Mancada, all these guys, but they're just not complementary parts whatsoever. Um, and uh, yeah. off into the sunset for you two. Rasputin yeah. is dead. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Rasputin's dead. By the way, speaking of the, who had a really good start tonight is Jackson Job, six innings, three hits, one run, and six strikeouts. He has Pedora. Does that get next Quintet? That, that definitely gets 100%. That gets a, I have to find that one. It's not a, uh, it was, I had my Chicago was, drops going. I didn't have that it was one. scoreless, uh, scoreless in at the sixth. I think it's the first time he's ever completed six innings. Maybe the second. Um, Exquisite. But yeah, he, it was five scoreless and, and then there was an error to start the sixth inning and then he gave up a two run homer, but then he got the next three out. That was it for him. But uh, yeah, it's, I don't know if we've talked about him a bunch, but, but like, he moved up a lot on the national midseason top 100 prospect list. He was off some of them, and, and I listened to some podcasts, and they were consistently getting feedback to push him up because of how, how good his stuff looked. And so, again, he's had some problems with home runs, same issues he had last year. There's still a little bit of – we see with Cutter Montero at AAA, too. There's just – you've got this great stuff, but it doesn't really matter if you accidentally leave it over the heart of the plate. Yeah. So it's still just a matter of kind of refining that command some more. And again, I think one of the things too that we got to look out for is that 
maybe he might get a chance to get a chance to go to Erie. Maybe, maybe because if if he's out there, we'll we'll be there before the playoffs. Trust trust us on that. But uh, yeah, go yeah, ahead. It's definitely, it's, it's certainly possible. It, it was fun right now because although the Whitecaps lost in the ninth inning, they're in the playoff hunt. Lakeland's in the playoff hunt. Erie's in the playoffs already, and also winning their division in the second half too. But they want him pitching meaningful postseason games or or chase games. They, they've got some options there, and yeah, it would be it wouldn't be a huge shock if he gets bumped up to Erie. It also wouldn't be a huge shock if he stays in West Michigan and then goes to the Arizona Fall League, pitch a little. And here's an idea too. Here's why Justice Bigby is not in Toledo. Erie's in the playoffs. Toledo's not. Simple as that. I, I, he's 24 years old. He shouldn't be Toledo. Okay. I understand the logic and normally probably be the case, but he is the straw that stirs a drink for Erie and he doesn't need to go to Toledo. I'm sorry. He can start the season Toledo. He can start the team. Maybe he joins a big league club next year. Maybe he's trade bait. I don't know. But the bottom line is if you're going to screw over Erie playoff wise because you want him in Toledo and for what? Toledo has three or four weeks left, and he's not going to get regular playing time because the way they have it completely platoon, platoon right now. And and it's we've talked about this before that there's oh. there's you know yeah yeah there's six obsession with minor leaguers with with, with progress. You got to get to progress. <laughs> I compared it to capitalism before, right? Like, oh, they're doing well, but they didn't do as well as last year. So you lose money. Like people need to see him. It's not enough for him to just be kicking ass and playing well. They need to see him do it at the next level immediately. And it's, it's is it really going to make a huge difference in Justice Big Beast's future or prospect profile if he spends the last month of the season in Toledo? I don't think so. We've, we've seen certain guys like Joe or uh, um, Cole Keith has been struggling a little bit relative to his own lofty expectations because I, I think that's something we talked about before is, is that he has a tendency to swing at pitches that he can't necessarily do damage on. He's not, not nearly as bad as some of the Tigers of recent years, Victor Reyes, Willie Castro, but he's, the AAA pitchers are better at locating to the edges, and Keith can and does hit those balls hard, but he just needs to make that next step where he's, he's waiting for the pitch that he can really crush. So Big B might get a good challenge there in, in Toledo, but he's another guy that they theoretically could send to the Arizona Fall League if they wanted to. But the other problem there is, is Toledo doesn't really have center fielder right now they've got a they've got like an army of guys playing out of position or playing right. their center fielder tonight was ryan kreidler and he looked pretty good in center field actually he arguably the second best defensive center fielder in the system uh but they i think they played Perez in center they've got malloy in right sometimes malloy playing third they've got keith that like they're just i don't know if they want to shove another i think he's a fine defender but i don't think defense is going to be a huge asset for him right it's going to be okay uh I don't know if they want to add another piece to that puzzle in Toledo when they're trying to fit these other guys everywhere. Tell you what, if Kreidler keeps playing some outfield, does he basically replace McKinstry next year? Yeah, I, I think or, so. Or Zach Short. Yeah. As I used to call Kreidler, Zach Tall. But yeah, they, they, uh, yeah they, he, they love his defense. And, and they know mm-hmm. that they're gonna, if they play him, they're going to get above average to plus defense at shortstop at third base, probably at second base and maybe in the outfields. And that's, that's basically your point. That's basically what McKinstry is giving the Tigers. Now his offense fell off a cliff. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's walking a little bit more lately or, or doing okay, but it's not nearly the guy he was in May or whatever. But they, I, I don't think AJ Hinch worries at all to put McKinstry on defense. He's going to be a very good defender just about everywhere he plays. So that's it. It could be Kreidler. I, I think they would love to bring him up as as the the last. As we talk about the September call-ups, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see who does actually get called up because they do have a bunch of options. But it's it's like, who do they? Oh, I think we lost him again. Yeah, I think he's on the right track. I think uh, with only twenty-eight spots, they get to call up two people. They do have so many to choose from. But it would be good to, I'd like to, I'm a Kreidler guy. I, I've seen him play enough times in person. I, I, I want him to get a, a shot one once again and hopefully stay healthy. Yeah. And you know what? Andre Lipsius too. He's in the 40 man. There's Winsil Perez. There's a lot of guys that they have to consider Yeah, outside of Cole Keith too. Cause I know if Kreidler goes up, a lot of fans are just going to lose their mind. I think a lot of fans are going to be upset, but again, they have to really evaluate for the future because Keith's going to be here no matter what, but they're going to have to, they have to really make some, Uber, before we get out of here, you, you really think about it. West Michigan's, in, by the way, is the game up on Fort Wayne for first place in the Midwest League East. So they are they're in that playoff spot in Lakeland right now after the win tonight over Clearwater, have a two game lead, and they're 33 and 18. And they're, again, having a fantastic, it's getting pretty bad out here. So I'm going to wrap this up real quick. Okay. Yeah, because the whole. To my last year, my window just lit up like a Christmas tree. But uh, no, you're in, you, we're in a unique position here as fans to see that they have to make some, they have some tough decisions to make because they have players that can, I don't know, believe it or not, can actually can make a trade. They, they, yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to saying that Ryan Kreiler is going to be getting you a fetch a pretty prospect or anything, but they have to make some tough decisions. They really do. For a team that is 11 games under 500 and has a run differential of almost 100, negative 100, right? This is in the 90s. They are in a fairly good spot where they, where they have some AAA depth. They have a team with some young players who are seemingly on the rise. They need to make some of these decisions that you're talking about. And if they get just enough of them correct for next year, this might be a team that can move toward the top of the division, but they have to see what, what a Kreidler can give them over the course of a regular season. And the sooner they get a good look at them, the better. Same with Lipsia, same with uh, Malloy. But the depth is starting to be there, which is something we weren't able to say not that long ago. Yeah, and they might have to be creative. Like Nick Wayne had a good idea about giving a Yankee prospect for taking Sand's contract, but I'm not interested in Sand. I'm sorry, I'm, not, I'm just... Sorry, John Carlos Stanton. I'm not, he's just he's too injury prone. Yeah, obviously he might. Make, is there one big season left in the tank? I suppose that's possible. But man, a guy gets he gets injured in a stiff breeze. Yeah, he literally moves a muscle and is injured. So we're out of time. Thank you so much for listening to Motor City Metrics here at TigerBioReport.com. You can check us out Sunday. We're going to be doing a live show on Sunday starting at nine o'clock, and we'll do the Week Twenty recap as we'll be recapping all the minor league action and hopefully my voice is not where i'm coughing like crazy thank you so much for everybody who participated in, in super chats today give us donations and we really appreciate that that goes a long way and we'll be like i said yeah sunday we'll be back there, i'm working on an article right now say the tiger farm system but it's going to be out in a couple of days i'm working on just looking at 
a lot of metrics and, and baseline averages. Of course, around the show, eighty eighty Bayjack was like, "Are you going to make sure you're going to include every other rule changes?" Yes, yes. This is why it's not one of those pieces is going to take a day. I'm not. It's going to take some time. But uh, until Sunday, thanks for listening. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon. Have a good night, everybody. Right. And stay safe if you're Michigan. Mm-hmm. No, you literally, it was like a.